Mr. Southside's own Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. So Jake Bentley chased and dropped the 15 yard line. Roquan, the chef, Smith. Roquan Smith, he's the highlight show of this defense. In the ring, Steamboat's got him up. A slam. But Claire, he's not playing one, two. He's got it. He's got it. Steamboat played one. Claire has done it. Claire has done it. And there it goes. A brand new massacre this ball to left center field. The Hood with Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. What's up and welcome in. This is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood, weeknights at 7. Here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app with open phone lines for you at 312-332-ESPN, 332-3776 is the telephone number. Hit me up on Twitter, twitter.com, tweet J Hood. <laughs> I love Felix's affirmation. Yes, yes. That's right. Twitter.com, tweet J Hood. It's that good nod, too, right? So. <laughs> it's a strong nod. It's a very strong nod. Yeah, your nods are very strong, yes. I look over to you to make sure I say that right. <laughs> is it Twitter.com, tweet J Hood? I believe it is. It is Twitter.com, tweet J Hood. Sometimes you, you listen, I'm ad libbing all of this. So I, you, sometimes I'll forget. I don't know. <laughs> On Instagram, IG J Hood, as we broadcast live from our first Midwest Bank Studios. Yeah. We'll hear from a two-time Super Bowl champion, analyst for the Big Ten Network. It is Howard Griffith. We'll talk to him coming up in six minutes here on ESPN 1000. Also, Tales from the Hood. I don't know what tales we have here, but we have Tales from the Hood, stories of sports, entertainment, everything else in between coming up at the bottom of the hour. Some NBA talk with Nick Friedel coming up at 9.05. So an hour from now, we'll go around the NBA, getting his thoughts about the Bulls and the association and our NBA summer topic that we'll have at 905 here on espn 1000 and if you're a wrestling fan i got you tuesday wrestling tuesday S- wrestling slash sports entertainment conversation coming up at uh, 927 it says here on espn 1000 and the espn app so stay by your listening advice if you're a wrestling fan and know of one make sure they tune in coming up in about an hour and a half right here on espn 1000 okay so here's what we do every night right eight o'clock you know how we do this right we are the first and the best when it comes to football conversation. First ones out of the box. We give you, my friends, the summer of football. The summer of football. We're just having fun and we're working, baby. With Jonathan Hood. Come on, baby, let's get it. Let's go now. You fired the first shot. Let's go, man. Drive starts from deep in their own territory. And it's picked off at the 25-yard line. Eddie Jackson. 
and he'll go in for the touchdown. He's just having fun and we're working, baby. Pressure now on Mahomes. He's in trouble. Now gets it away. Are you kidding me? Barkley up the middle, cuts to the outside. Saquon Barkley across midfield. Standard bounds. And Barkley takes it all away. Summer of football. Lawrence flips it open. Justin Ross off and running. And Clemson strengthens its grip on this championship game. Williams in the game for the first time this year for Notre Dame. Takes the hand up and takes off. All the way for a touchdown. Let's be great, baby. Let's go. The summer of football. You got it. Working right here on ESPN 1000. I think we ain't there yet. And the ESPN app. The summer of football. Every single night at 8 o'clock right here on ESPN 1000 in the ESPN app. Yes, before we hear from Howard Griffin, let me point out something to you written by Elliot Harrison from NFL.com. NFL.com was cooking today. Had their lists out. Wow. Usually they're very, you know, just a couple of headlines, some videos, you know. Dave is able to give us, give us some NFL Network stuff, little, you know, nuggets. But NFL Network, though, coming out strong. Sticking her chest out like, hey, we got something for you, too. And who doesn't love a list, right? We love lists. That way you and I can banter back and forth and talk about lists. But here's a list for you. Elliot Harrison from NFL.com writes this piece about the NFL head coaching power rankings. <laughs> who do you think is the number one coach for Elliot Harrison for NFL head coach power rankings? Number one, Bill Belichick, right? Not a sneaky choice. Tom Brady, it's the Super Bowls, stop right there. Who do you think is the number two person on this list? And here's, when I read this list, I had to think a minute. Like, the, the second best the second best coach in the NFL. Put that on the poll at ESPN 1000. Hashtag NFL. Who is the second best coach in the NFL? And we can just ignore the naggy comments that come out of there. But who do you think is the second best coach in the NFL? On his list is Pete Carroll. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Carroll ranks second on the list, <laughs> although not solely for winning at least one playoff game every year from 2012 to 2016 and the zenith of capturing a Super Bowl title, but also for the job he did in 2018. Well, you know, you know you're not going to give him, like, Number two, because of 2018 now. Let's not do that. Let's, if you believe in totality that he's the second best, fine. But, you know, Pete Carroll, the second best coach. I had to think about that for a second because I think that I would have probably pushed Sean Payton ahead of him, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to fight on this list. Sean Payton, um, he deserves to be higher on the list, quite possibly. He's got a 4,000 yard, um, quarterback in Drew Brees 13 seasons by the way and by the way last year was the first time during Drew Brees 13 seasons in New Orleans they didn't reach the 4,000 yard barrier but he was close right he was in the in the ballpark but Peyton is still above 500 in the postseason owns a Super Bowl ring his record is 126 and 80 including the playoffs is Sean Peyton a Hall of Famer (sighs) yee Think about that. It's not the it's not the basketball hall of fame <laughs> where everybody gets in. It's like a public toilet. Um, is Sean Payton a hall of famer? Anyway, because that's suggested in this piece. Some things I had to think about when I read this list today. So, 
he's got Carroll second, Peyton third, Andy Reid fourth. Andy Reid with Patrick Mahomes. Can I tell you something? Just between you and I, if the Chiefs don't win a Super Bowl with Reid as the head coach and Patrick Mahomes as the quarterback, Andy Reid should never coach again. I don't care, coordinator, head coach, then you're just a guy that's a bridesmaid because he's had every opportunity to get there and get over the hump. I know it's going to be frustrating for Andy Reid, but Reid's fourth in this list. If they don't win it like this upcoming season, is he still fourth? Or do you give it to Doug Peterson, who's fifth in this list? He's earned a lofty perch on this list after taking the Eagles to the postseason for the second straight year without the services of QB1 down the stretch. It is true. Take the hat off because it wasn't like his his guy. You were talking about Nick Foles, right? But you still have quality weapons like Alshon Jeffrey on this team. Um, and so Doug Peterson's fifth. Is Doug Peterson a top five coach in this league? Can make the argument. Guess who's sixth in the list? Sean McVay, Rams coach. This is according to NFL.com. You got to the Super Bowl, great. You fell short, and you really outdumbed yourself against the Patriots. And so it, there's, no, there's no shame in losing to the Patriots. It's just that when McVay falls in a sword, it's like, oh, I was overthinking things. It didn't work out, you know, all that kind of thing. Now you don't look like such the genius. And you know tomorrow's not promised in the National Football League. You, you, just because you get to the Super Bowl doesn't mean you're going to win it. So McVay's sixth in the list. John Harbaugh, seventh. Anthony Lynn of the Chargers is eighth. Mike Tomlin, nine. Is that what you're going to do to Omar Epps, Mike Tomlin? Can you believe this, Howard Griffin? Can you believe this? Mike Tomlin's ninth in this list. <laughs> hey, it's rough out here, isn't it? It's, what have you done for me lately? Also, number 10 on this list is Mike Zimmer from the Vikings. What is going on? Dan Quinn is number 11. Frank Reich is 12th for the Colts. Chico Rivera, oh. uh, you can't call him Chico anymore. I think it's Ron. Ron Rivera is yeah, 13th. Yeah, you can't do that. <laughs> yeah, that, that'll get you fine, censored, and everything else. So be careful. That's all because Ron doesn't want to be called Chico anymore. I think that's what it okay. was. Okay. Yeah, I think that's what it was. Like, I could call him that because like, he was a bear, but he, you know, he, he refers to be called Ron now, Riverboat Ron. Okay. Well, there you go. Uh, and Matt Nagy's 14th in this list. That's where I was getting cool. to. And here's here's where I can almost tear this list up. John Gruden is 15th in this list from Elliot Harrison. <laughs> so John, John Gruden is 15th. You, you mean John Gruden is in the top half of head coaches, according to Elliot Harrison on NFL.com? There's no way, right? He hasn't done anything, has he, lately? He won't be doing much. Sign a massive, or sign a massive contract, which is good for him. His here's where you know. <laughs> here, here's where you know, Howard, that he's behind the times. Since he's been coaching, he's the only coach in the NFL when his quarterback comes to the sidelines, he does not cover his mouth. He's just wide open with mm. him. Just let him have. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, he, he, maybe he wants him to know. And everybody else to know that he's not getting it done. <laughs> Maybe he doesn't want to hide it. He's not worried about making friends. That introduction was not appropriate for a two-time Super Bowl champion. 
<laughs> and an analyst for the Big Ten Network. He is Howard Griffin, the Chicago Zone, and he's with us on Summer Football on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Howard, uh, now that you're in the conversation, i got to ask you, because we're here with the Big Ten Media uh, Day week here, and I, I'm looking forward to the season. Is there anything last year that surprised you in the Big Ten? Ooh, last year. I'd say kind of the way uh, Nebraska got started last year because they were so close as far as being able to win some games. And, you know, they just made some bad mistakes at the end and didn't make things happen. I would say the way Ohio State played defense last year was a little bit surprising as well because this is a really talented unit. I expect them to be able to bounce back, uh, particularly with the new addition of the coaches that they have. And uh, I think they'll be able to step up and really get to the challenge. So, so what is so Coach Day for Ohio State, right? Yep. This is a big moment, and he—I mean—it's a big shadow that he's in right now uh, because Urban Meyer is not there anymore. I—am I, I wrong to be suspect of Ryan Day because he might have the players, but he's got to coach them. Can he? Is he able to do that with Urban Meyer no longer being there? I'm, I'm going to tell you, the guy can coach. He knows how to connect with players. Do I believe that Ohio State probably takes a step back? Not having you know a guy like Urban right now at the helm? Probably, but what does that mean? That step back may mean that they're not ready to win and compete for a national title. I think they probably can because they have the guys that are there. I think the biggest challenge will be if they can get Justin Fields into an offensive play-calling rhythm for him to be able to succeed because he's not the passer at this particular point uh, as Haskins was last year. That I know for sure. But what is that offense going to look like? They have uh, J.K. Dobbins, who I think is going to be a superstar in this in this conference coming up this year. I think he's an elite running back. Now that he's going to be able to run the ball, doesn't have to look over his shoulder by who he's going to be sharing time with, I think he's going to be able to take the next step. I like what they're doing. You look at them defensively, I said how bad they were last year when you look at them defensively, all the big plays that they were giving up. I don't expect them to be able to do that this year because they're, they're going to have better coaches now on that side of the ball, and I think the linebacker play is going to be much better because that was a huge problem. It might be the same players that are there, but they're different guys as far as who's coaching. Howard, I think that from a schedule standpoint, I think that you see um, a, a good opportunity for Ohio State to play well of course the michigan game at the at michigan on november 30th is always a question mark but florida atlantic cincinnati at indiana out of the box is a good start i think for the buckeyes yeah i I would say this don't nationally people are telling or or wanting to say that this is michigan's year they got to be able to do it and immediately they're pointing to the fact that you know urban's not there i'm telling you that that's not the issue michigan still has to be able to win the football game they're talented they're talented on that side of the ball, but they still have not in the big games been able to get over the hump, whether that's defensively. You look at all the players they lost defensively. Don Brown is unbelievable as far as being a defensive coordinator and pressuring the opposing team, but that also gets them in trouble. If you just look at their bowl games, uh, they haven't had the success. So I would be very cautious of saying, you know, this is Michigan's year and Michigan's going to be able to, run rough shot because they have their, those big games at home. So I would, so let me ask you about Michigan because as we just talked about Ohio State, Michigan it still might come down to that last game. Uh, you know, soft non-conference 
Got a number of road games at Wisconsin is never easy. At Penn State, uh, yep. at, at Maryland, but Ohio State could could the season for Ohio State and Michigan come down to that last game on November thirtieth? It could, but I think Michigan State is also going to have a lot to say about it. They return a lot of experience on the defensive side of the ball. They struggled offensively. It was horrible last year for Michigan State offensively. But if they can make the corrections that they need to, that'll give them a chance to have a say in who's going to win the Big Ten East. But ultimately, when you look at this uh, this Michigan team, uh, Gaddis, the new offensive coordinator that's going to call the plays as of you know going into the season, that's what everyone expects him to be able to call the plays, including Harbaugh. But what's going to happen for a first-time play caller? Now, I'm going to tell you, Hoodie, he is going to be a star in coaching. So their offense coordinator. So that I'm not concerned about. He's a great recruiter, a great teacher, a great developer of talent. Now he's stepping into a new role, which is a pressure cooker for them right now because they've got to go out and be able to perform offensively. Shea Patterson, this is supposed to be an offense that's going to suit him a lot better to what his skill sets are and what he's played in college and what he did at Ole Miss. So these are the questions for this Michigan team as well from an offensive standpoint. But also remember, they lost so much on the defensive side. So we'll have to see where they are ultimately when the season gets rolling. In the West, it was bowling shoe ugly uh, early and often, I thought, for <laughs> Scott Frost in Nebraska, right? So, yeah. yep, no but, doubt. But, but here's what we saw, though. The positive is, is that they were putting points on the board. So you're, you're looking at in the area of 23, 24 points a game uh, in the first six games. Now the last six, now you're up to almost 35 points a game. You can say the schedule. You can say that the, the players are getting it. But uh, how do you see... Frost now in a, in another year with Nebraska, could they be the favorites in the West? I, I, don't, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say that they're a favorite. I, I think it's going to come down to what happens in the trenches, and I think it's the depth is going to be the, the challenge for this Nebraska team early. What's going to happen, I say, once you get down into Big Ten play, if you start to lose some guys in the trenches, I'm talking about offensive and defensive line, that's what they got to be able to control. And, and I think when you look at that, that's what worries me right now. I still think he's probably about a year away because he has the guys that can play the skill positions. That's not going to be an issue. The question is, I think in the trenches and defensively, are they going to be able to stop people? They're going to be better, but I wouldn't say that they're the favorite. There's a team uh, in Evanston that's going to have a lot to say about that with Hunter Johnson coming in and, and taking over the quarterback duties. It should be interesting to see what Northwestern looks like offensively this year as well. I, I'm going to get to the Cats in a second. I do want to ask you about Iowa, though. Remember last year, Howard, they got off to such a great start, 6-1. and one. They kind of fell apart, had a three-game losing streak, so they kind of dropped out. But here's the thing. Iowa could take solace in that, yeah, you lost those games, but it was close. It was like two, yeah. between two and four points. So you were always in the, in the game uh, down the stretch in the season. So how, how could Iowa replicate that? Well, they've got an outstanding quarterback in Nate Stanley that's going to be coming back, so... That gives you – that's a start. To me, if you're going to win a championship, you've got to have a quarterback that can make plays not only with his arm but with his legs. Then on the, that's on the offensive side. I think they have some really big things The people may not know a lot about, but I think they're going to become household names as the season continues to progress. They've got a player named A.J. Epinesa who uh, is going to arguably want to be one of the top 10, top 15 picks in next year's NFL draft if he decides to come out. The interesting thing about him is this is going to be his first year being a full-time starter. Now, 
he, yeah, he was a backup last year in some spots. But he's still able to go in and rush the quarterback. I think the, the thing to always watch is now that you're that every down player, how are you going to be able to handle that workload? He's a guy that works hard and physically is gifted. And, and mostly everything he's done, he's always been the best player on the field, whether it was basketball, whether it was football. He's always been that type of talent. So they've got some leadership and some young players that are going to make a lot of plays for them. You feeling good about the Cats, huh? What do you what do you think of Northwestern? Remember how they started off, right? Started off the season yeah. last year one and three, <laughs> on four mm-hmm. non conference games, and so. Yeah. But they did, but it just typical vintage Fitzgerald. They figured out throughout <laughs> the season. That's how that works. So, what do you think of the Cats' chances this season? And, and that's what I like about them. And, and I mentioned Hunter Johnson earlier, and Hunter Johnson is a, a lot like. Justin Fields at Ohio State transferred. He transferred. He wasn't going to be out the starter that was there at the time at Clemson, so he made the move. But he's been in the program now for a year once uh, training camp starts for him. So he's been around the program, knows what to expect. We don't know what he's going to do under pressure, right? I think that's going to be a huge question for him. We know how athletic he he is. He's a former five-star quarterback, but we have to see him in a situation where. Vic McCall is going to be calling plays for him where I think it's going to be some look a lot like or even better than when Kane Coulter was there when you talk about having a quarterback and get a lot done with his legs and also his arms. We've got to figure out what he's going to be able to do under pressure. Patty Fisher on the defensive side, again, one of those top players, uh, not only in the Big Ten but in the country when you talk about linebackers that can run and they're going to have an excellent career, I believe, at the next level. Uh, can you get uh, can you get Purdue and Indiana in a bowl game this year? <laughs> no. Okay. Well, you can get to the bowl game. Can you win the bowl game? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the challenge, right? You you can get there. Well, listen, I, you you got to like what Purdue is doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and it comes down to depth. It's another one of those situations where they got to continue to try to build depth. They've got probably, arguably, the most explosive wide receiver in the. In the conference, uh, one, of, one of the most explosive players in all the college football, and Rondell Moore, who's a true sophomore this year, expect him to continue to have a big year. I know this year defenses will be trying to scheme to try to take him away, but I, I think those guys at Purdue are, are, are so bright and, and understand what they need to do to put their players in the right position to be able to make plays. We watched the way they carved up Ohio State last year, so I expect them to continue uh, to come up with creative ways for Rondell Moore to get back to that All-American status that he had last year with the freshman. Well, as we do this every year, Howard, I always... Here we go. I always... wonder what you're going to ask me now, Eddie. wonder where we're going now, huh? Howard, can you find me six wins on the Illinois schedule? You know what? I think they might be able to find but I don't know, to be honest me you don't know they start, are they gonna are they gonna start the true freshman uh from St. Louis I, I think he's really that type of player they've got uh Peters that transferred in from Michigan believe he's gonna be eligible immediately and got quite a few transfers to USC that should be able to help him out offensively we have to wait and see we I, it's hard to say I think the roster is better today than it was last year so I think that's a step in the right direction. Now, the part that might be a little disconcerting is the best running back in the SEC right now. Some people might say his name is Keyshawn Vaughn at Vanderbilt. Right. Well, he used to be on the Illinois roster. That's a bit problematic. 
when he's not on that roster anymore. So, you know, when you lose players like that, it's tough. But I think that with the new facility just about completely down there in Champaign, they're starting to make strides. And it's not going as fast as everybody wants it to. And it's frustrating. But I think maybe they finally have found that recipe for what they want to do to try to be successful. Getting to a ball game would be a huge step for them this year, though. Is there a Griffin on that on that team? I believe there's a Griffin on the team. Is it not? <laughs> oh, here you go. Here you go. <laughs> be nice. Be nice to love you in the game. I'm just saying, man. Maybe a, a Griffin can turn things around. I, I've seen it before. Let's put it that way. I've seen it before. <laughs> We've seen it before. I hear you. I'm just saying, man. This, this is... Uh... This is tough, man. I'm look. I'm, I'm looking forward to that preseason. Akron at Connecticut against Eastern Michigan. That's your preseason. Hey, listen, well, don't complain because if they can come away with wins, that gets them halfway to six, right? And all you want to do is get them to six. They can come up with a couple of wins. This West, though, really, honestly, but the West is wide open. I think most people would say that it's wide open. They're not going to give Illinois an opportunity to win it. And it's for good reason. But I think you got those other teams. We didn't talk about Minnesota. I think they're going to be have a chance to be right there in the mix of things. So, you know, it, it's going to be – Wisconsin always got something to say about it. So, there are a lot of teams that are sitting right there with an opportunity to win the West. But I think ultimately it will come down to the team that probably gets the best quarterback play. I think that's going to be a big part of it. The Badgers are going to have a young quarterback mm-hmm. at the helm this year. So we'll have to see what they'll be able to do. But they've got Jonathan uh, Taylor there is uh, a stud. He'll be a top, probably top 20 pick next year's draft. And, you know, it'll be, it'll be fun to watch this year, though. Yeah. <laughs> Jonathan Give me my respect. Give me my respect. I just took it left like on ambidex. I moved through London with the Eurostep. On ESPN 1000. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app is the Cubs, it's the Reds. Jesse Rogers files a report. Jess? All right, Jay Hood, Cubs trailing 3-2 as we enter the sixth inning here. Alec Mills has really settled down. He gave up three runs in the first inning. He's still out there here as we start the sixth. Gave up a home run to Suarez. He actually hit two batters in that inning. Then RBI hits by Senzo and Peraza. Gave the Reds the early lead, but he's settled down since then. He actually hit a batter in the second, but no damage in the last few innings. Three hits, one walk, four strikeouts uh, for Descafani on the other side. His only mistake, Robo Garcia's two-run home run in the second, his third home run already as a Cub, but they've been shut down over the last three innings as well. So it's Reds three, Cubs two, top of the sixth inning. Back to you. What do you got here? This is your car. My car? I said a 10-second car, not a 10-minute car. Pop the hood. Pop the hood? Pop the hood. Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Here we go. Time for Tales from the Hood, brought to you by Northwestern Football, Chicago's Big Ten team. Join Coach Fitz in the Big Ten West 
Division and Holiday Bowl champions at Ryan Field this fall when they host Ohio State, Iowa, and more. Season tickets on sale now at usports.com and usports.com. Tales from the Hood, stories of sports, entertainment, everything else in between. How about this one? So what if, what if the White Sox change their colors? Now, listen, if you watch President Obama when he was in office with the Sox cap, when you see actors... Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant. Well, let's not include him. Uh, but Kevin Durant <laughs> he makes the Sox hat look bad. Anyway, but there's a lot of people, Felix, that, that wear the Sox cap because it's, it's badass, right? It's basic black and white. It, when it came about in 93, the Bo Jackson era, the White Sox, it was different. But it kind of matched the personality of Kenny Williams because he was a Raiders fan. So some thoughts here from Buster Olney on the um, Baseball Tonight podcast. Is it time for the Sox to change their hat colors? Listen. Uh, is this a little long in the tooth? Are they ready for something uh, a little bit different? It's such an iconic look. It got carved into popular culture right out of the chute. Um, what do we think? I would say this right off the bat, and I I love this topic because I know Jerry Reinsdorf, the owner of the White Sox, well enough to know it that he ain't changing anything. (laughs) End of story. Yeah, he is a traditionalist. Okay, I I I've told the story in the podcast before. I met Jerry Reinsdorf. Complete coincidence. I went to boarding school, uh, and his son David, uh, who passed away a couple years ago, was in my dorm. And so I came down with a Dodgers cap, and Jerry was sitting in, in the lobby waiting for Dave to come down. And he saw my Dodger cap, and we struck up a conversation. And I knew then, and he and I have talked about it since. I mean, he harkens back to those Brooklyn Dodger days like they're just yesterday. And so the idea that he would change a cap, no way, Todd. But you might have some ideas, huh? Well, I mean, you know, I do think I, I am a classicist at heart. And I, yeah. I do really love that Dodgers, uh, the uh, the white. I love the Dodgers too. As a matter of fact, the white button. But I'm not going to digress with that. But uh, but I always uh, having worked with the club on some projects, I always find it kind of limiting in terms of color. They really are black and white with just that little bit of silver, which is sort of blackish, right? And yeah. uh, maybe a little pop of color, a restoration of red, a la the Nelly Fox Go Go socks of 1959. I'm not quite sure. Uh, you don't you don't tinker lightly with classics, and by now that really is a classic. It is Todd Random with the Buster Only Todd Random, a marketing guru when it comes to teams, NBA, Major League Baseball, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. No, you don't mess with the colors. Kenny Williams would have your head if you took the. Don't take away my black and white. He, you, he there's no way that he allowed it to happen. Listen, that that brand has become iconic now. You thought it was the Raiders when we were kids, Davis, back in the day. But the Sox have taken that over, you know? It was another option to the Raiders. I think in, uh, Ice Cube was the first one I saw make it popular. Yeah. Rocking the White Sox hat. So then, yeah. you know, and now you see it, you know, around the or, or actually around the world, as, as Felix mentioned, uh, Durant, which I don't. And also very popular on Cops. An Ohio man was too hot in the back of his police cruiser, so he called 911 to... Well, I don't see, like, a cubby cap on, like, when someone's getting arrested. So the, you go to the lost and found, or where they keep <laughs> items. 
You will see a lot of white Sox cats. I'm done. That's what they're saying. Go, just... go to the county and go to the article room. Right. <laughs> Is this yours? Is this yours? It's like they have a like socks, hats, and shoestrings. <laughs> they go to, you go to the back. Is like sixteen different socks caps. It's like going to lids. <laughs> it's like all these different socks caps. Is this one yours? This one? This criminal? This criminal? No. Okay. An Ohio man was too hot in the back of the police cruiser, so he called nine one one to request air conditioning. A man being detained in the back of a police cruiser was hot and wanted air conditioning turned up. Police were investigating a domestic case when they detained a man in the back of a cruiser while things were getting sorted out. While in the cruiser, the man started to get uncomfortably hot and tried to get the attention of the officers. Officers came to the cruiser and cranked the air for the man, making sure he was cool. Police said the man was not charged with any crimes. (laughs) Okay. So random, though, right? Why is that (laughs) such a weird Cleveland story? Like, like... (laughs) Ooh, I did something cool today. I called nine one one. Can you believe that this is a story from W E W S? Like, like you need positive stories about the police these days, huh? Here's a guy that was hot in the back of a cruiser. They turn the air on. Back to you. Is that that the is that the story? (laughs) I was waiting for the punchline. There is no punchline, ladies and gentlemen. Nope. I usually give you one, but I just want to just point that out. do I have time for one more story, or do yes. I have to? Okay, one more story. Ah, oh, see, we're gonna have to expand the show to four hours because that because here's why we didn't expand it. That last segment on hats alone is like thirty minutes. That's that's a that's a wacky morning show bit right there. All right, that's number one. But number two, I could have another half hour on two K Sports reveals ratings for the best players in NBA two K twenty. Now, if we don't get to it all of it tonight then we'll do it on future shows this week but uh number one on this list is lebron right followed by Kawhi and Giannis. Giannis got a 96 kevin durant's got a 96 uh james harden with a 96 and steph curry with a 95 so did they subtract one for the achilles already for kd <laughs> is that what they did <laughs> i know one thing I know that when Kevin Durant finds out that he got <laughs> simply a 96 and LeBron got a higher number, he's going to get on his he's going to put on his socks cap and start complaining about it. Jonathan Hood. Hey, super hot. Hey, give me my respect. Give me my respect. I just took it left like on ambidex. I'm through London with the Euro's on ESPN 1000. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. We'll talk to Nick Friedel, who covers the NBA for ESPN.com, coming up after SportsCenter and Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday as well. If you're a wrestling fan, we will hear from Austin Lane from our sister station ESPN in Jacksonville, Florida. He was there for Fight for the Fallen for AEW show over the weekend. We'll hear from the former Bear, Austin Lane, coming up at 930 right here. For Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. How about this? You heard about Chance the Snapper, right? The gator that was found in Humboldt Park. <laughs> so 36 hours later, around 1.30 a.m. Tuesday morning, there was a guy from Florida. You know, he teased Florida all the time on this program. But a alligator expert, Frank Robb, comes in from Florida, finds the gator, and the problem is solved. 
Nobody around here could be able to get that gator. Nobody around here. <laughs> but they had to bring in someone from Florida to help Chance the Snapper get caught. What? So wild. This whole alligator thing has been hilarious. Chance the Snapper has been going around worldwide. And then at the boathouse over there, Homo Park, my neck of the woods, yeah. there was people just coming out the last couple of weeks. They've just been gator watching, waiting to see if they can see Chance the Snapper come out of the water at some points. It was hilarious. It was awesome. I mean, I just, just... He also threw out the first pitch today. Frank Robb, the, the alligator expert. God almighty. All this over a gator. And again, no one around here could do it, but they had to bring somebody from Florida. Frank Robb had to do it. And he shut Homo Park down, too. He said he needed it quiet for him to go after this alligator. I don't know how he was able to do it, but they shut down all of Homo Park just so he can get this alligator. There's an alligator! <laughs> Man, if it wasn't for the tall buildings, this really would be Mayberry. Yeah,